morning. Thank you for the uh, very, very uh, warm welcome. And thank you, Reverend Ronald, for the privilege of just uh, uh, being here. Uh, actually, my team with Asia CMS, uh, we are here for our annual retreat planning, thinking through uh, what we're going to be doing. And I'm going to just, uh, my wife, you, she's, uh, she's already stood up, but can I also ask for the rest of the team, could you just uh, stand up so that the people from Penang can give you a Penang welcome? Come on, guys. So they are sort of uh, from all over, from Pakistan, from India, from Vietnam, and from Wesley Methodist Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> Okay, so we are uh, simply glad uh, to be here. Now, I, uh, I'm going to be preaching from Colossians, the passage that was read. But uh, before that, what I want to do is that I want to screen a very quick video because people, you know, uh, on and on, including my former members, I was pastoring for many years. Uh, they would ask me, uh, Pastor Chan, uh, what does HSMS do? Uh? Uh, and it's actually quite difficult to explain. So what we do is uh, we prepare a three-minute uh, video clip. Uh, can we just screen it? Asia CMS is a trans-denominational mission movement based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. We believe in walking alongside mission workers, Christian organizations, God's churches and beyond, together, on the edge in God's mission. Asia CMS was established in 2012, and currently, we have co-mission partners serving in Cambodia, India, Indonesia, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. They work in spheres of mission that include theological education, capacity building, peace and reconciliation, drug rehabilitation, children's ministry, church planting, leadership training and community development. We are associated with the rich history of the Church Mission Society in the UK. Their story began over 200 years ago with a group of Christians whose hearts were stirred to put their call into action. This group included people like William Wilberforce and John Newton. They founded a society with the purpose of sending missionaries to Africa and the East. We are building on a 200-year-old legacy from CMS UK. Asia CMS is about God's mission in Asia, in Asia and from Asia to the rest of the world. It is Asians serving together with churches and Christians everywhere. We seek to engage the unreached and least rich people groups. We seek to engage in spheres of mission critical for national context, spheres that are often under-engaged or overlooked. We seek to catalyze fresh thinking on questions raised by Asian churches and answered by Asian Christians. Our strategy is to connect mission workers, churches, and organizations to collaborate and provide resources to further God's mission in Asia. Asia CMS endeavors to add to the efforts of churches, mission leaders, and workers by facilitating seminars, 
training programs and mission education from introductory to postgraduate levels. We welcome you to come partner and walk with us as we walk alongside others together on the edge in God's mission. Amen. Now, be, uh, before I share with you the word of God, allow me just uh, to, to share, uh, just to say a short prayer. Can we just uh, close our eyes? Father, I thank you because right now, this morning, you are here in our presence. Uh, you're here. Your presence is here. We thank you for your grace and goodness that has been with us, encountering us where we needed you most. And even today, until today, you're still faithful to every single one of us here. Father, I pray that this morning allow us to sense the ten allow us to sense and feel your tangible presence, allow us to hear your voice in our heart. Speak to us, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, that is uh, briefly about Asia CMS. And, uh, you know, after the service, I brought, I brought along a limited number of uh, some of our magazines and flyers. And I realized that this morning, uh, when I checked how, how many did we bring, I realized I did not bring enough. You know why? It was simply because uh, yesterday, we were making our way from Kuala Lumpur, and I wasn't driving my car. We were using a different vehicle, and in the process of transferring stuff, uh, maybe it was the excitement of coming to Foot Heaven in Penang. Uh, I just kind of took the wrong, uh, took the wrong bag, okay? But anyway, let's get on to, uh, to the Word of God. Now, what I want to talk about today, really, it's serving God's mission. Uh, now, this is, uh, it is not because I'm leading Asia CMS, but... One of the things that I realized through the years is that all of us here are Christians and we are enjoying the presence of God, we are enjoying the grace of God and receiving from God's goodness simply because of mission, simply because of God's mission to reconcile the world to himself and to reconcile people to one another. And because of it, he has sent forth individuals, and just now your pastor was talking about missionaries that came uh, to Malaysia. Within my own denomination, uh, I have preached in two of our larger churches here in Penang, and I know about some of the history of, you know, the difficulties and the challenges that the missionaries went through. But today... You and I sit in nice air-conditioned churches. But during those days, it was really, really uh, so different. Okay? And so what I want to do over the next uh, 25 minutes is this. I want to encourage you with testimonies. And I want to challenge you, uh, even as we have read through these two texts, uh, I want to ch challenge, uh, challenge you with some thoughts about serving God's mission, especially taking from the example of this person called Epaphras, okay? Because he is a very, very powerful example, okay? Uh, so these are just uh, a couple of things that I want to do over the next uh, 25 minutes or so, or 25 minutes. Now, first of all, I want to say this, uh, that, you know, I became, when I became a Christian uh, in 1975, I was always very excited 
about the salvation of people that have not received Jesus. Why? It is simply because uh, when you come from a non-Christian home and suddenly you realize that there is only one way and Jesus is the way. And when you come from a non-Christian home where you are the very first one, more than anything else, you want others, especially your loved ones, your parents, your siblings to come to the Lord. And uh, through that many years, one of the things that I've always been passionate and praying for is that God, I want to see people receive the gospel. Okay? And during those years, in 1975, when I received Jesus, the numbers were so few. But uh, over the last uh, many years, as, as, as I've been serving the Lord, and I've had the privilege of travel and also reading and research, I realized this. We are actually living in a period where prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. Okay? Now, let me just go back uh, to our verses earlier. Okay? Uh, where in verse 6 it says, this gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Paul made a statement that this gospel is, uh, is, is indeed in the whole world. Now he was speaking in hyperbolic terms because I am sure during that time, Paul did not know about Penang, the food heaven of Malaysia. And he has never been here. Okay? Uh, he was just talking about the world that he knew. But the reality that is this. Today, there is no single nation on planet Earth where there are no Christians. Okay? And in other words, what Paul has spoken in hyperbole in verse 6 is a reality today. And more than anything else, Christianity, while even though it is a minority in Asia and in Malaysia, is in fact right now the fastest growing faith in Asia. And majority of it is by conversion. Statistically, in 1970, there's only 4.5% Christian all over Asia. Today, we are talking about 9%. And in fact, the countries where Christianity or people are converting at the fastest rate, it's actually all located in Asia. Now, I, uh, within limit time, I cannot uh, talk about too much, but let me just, uh, just give some example. One of it is Mongolia. Now, you see the photograph in that church that would not have existed in the 1980s. Why? Because in 1990, there were only uh, less than 3,000 Christians. That was in 1990. Today, it is, the numbers are something like about 60,000 and above, and it's still growing. Okay? So, just kind of visualize that within a short space of less than 30 years, it is exploding. And the numbers have actually outgrown uh, many of our denominations here in Malaysia. Okay? Now, let me just give you another example. I had the privilege of uh, visiting this country, and, uh, uh, and this is a place where the, the, the church, or God's church, is really exploding. And just to help you to understand the speed of growth, 
1951, there is zero recorded registered official Christian in Nepal. In 1961, when I was a one-year-old baby, officially 458. But then by the year 2001, which is 19, uh, 18 years ago, we are talking about 102,000. And right now, we are talking about anywhere between 1 to 3 million. And if you go to Kathmandu, there will be a couple of churches that would be what I term as mega church. Now, what do you mean by mega church? You're really talking about attendance of in excess of uh, uh, more than 1,000 uh, every Sunday, every weekend. And so that is a situation uh, that is happening in, in Nepal. And right now, there is a certain level of persecution, but yet the church uh, is still growing. But not only is the church growing, uh, what you're seeing up there is this. The church in Nepal is starting to be involved in their own mission and crossing cultures and reaching to the marginalized. What you see on the uh, top left corner is actually a, a school, an educational project located uh, in the slums beside the river in Kathmandu. And who are doing it? Nepali Christians. They're not only are they coming to the Lord, but they are right now rising up and saying that we want to do something, and they are doing something. And in fact, uh, I was on email just, uh, uh, just last week. We, we, are talk, uh, we are talking with one of the largest churches in Pokhara, which is another city of Nepal, and they are talking about conducting cross-cultural training because you know why? To prepare the police for cross-cultural mission. They are doing it. So this is something that you cannot believe. In one sense, it doesn't even exist 30 years ago. But right now, what you're seeing is actually an incredibly vibrant church. And let me just show you a photograph, okay? Now, last year when I was in Nepal, I met two gentlemen, okay? The one on the uh, left, his name is Shubash. He's, he was the principal of the Nepal Baptist Theological Seminary. The one on the right, his name is Santosh. Now, what I found was very interesting was this. I asked Santosh, now Santosh is the current uh, principal. How did you come to faith? He told me in somewhere about 2002 or 2003, he came to Malaysia as a migrant worker. And you know what? He received Jesus through one of the churches in Malaysia. He was discipled by a church in Pataling Jaya. They sponsored him to seminary. First MBS, and then he did his master's in the Penang Baptist Theological Seminary here. Okay? So in other words, uh, I also can say a little bit of hallelujah because, hey, Malaysia, we have a part. <laughs> okay? But God is doing some very amazing things. And because when I met him, this is an incredibly articulate guy. So, you know, when we meet up with our, some of our workers that work as migrants, uh, see them through God's eyes because you never know what God can do through you. And you never know there could be another Santosh, another Shubash, okay? Maybe not to Nepal, but to another place, okay? So, uh, one more country before I, sh uh, before I share with you some very quick thoughts. 
another place is where God is moving. Uh, Asia CMS recently, we started uh, doing things over in the, in the uh, Mekong region. And this is a photograph that uh, where in the month of March, we did a mission conference. Mission conference and we started off a project so that how the Vietnamese church themselves can begin to reach the cross cultures and to reach out to the unreached. Not just their own types of people, but other types. But I tell you this, uh, what really left a very deep impression during my March trip to Vietnam was not so much the mission conference, but what we did after that. Because after the conference was over, my host brought me on a long journey, nice comfortable SUV, comfortable tar road. Now we know that all of us, as far as we can read from newspaper, Vietnam it's communist, right? very minimal Christian. But after three hours journey, and I was following on my Google map, and I realized that we were just about two hours from the China border. And lo and behold, when we turned the corner, we, we came to this area that is majority Christian, and I saw this huge church that kind of blew my mind. Why? It can seat 1,000. How it happened, huh? The area is Christian. I took three, we took three hours to drive in. But then the story unfolded. Before World War II, am I correct? Missionaries came. And the whole area is majority Christian. I took three hours. But I was just imagining how long, what kind of a journey the missionaries have to take to go into those places. But simply because of faithfulness, because of obedience to God's call, you have a Christian community there and you have a church. Now this actually is the story again and again all over the world. And this is why I want to share with you right now four very brief thoughts. First of all, when we speak of serving God's mission, why is it so important? It, let me just use this technical term. It incarnates, it makes alive God's heart for people, for the world. You know, it is so easy to say that God loves you. It is very easy to read John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. But God's love is made alive in concrete terms when there are people that is willing to say, I am going to be your friend. Because I love Jesus, I want to be your friend. And that is what you are seeing in Colossians chapter 1. And then when you refer to Colossians chapter 4, it wasn't just Epaphras, but it was a whole listing of people that, that was together with Paul. What were they doing? They were not just preaching, but they were making the gospel come alive. And that is what the incarnation is all about. When Jesus became a human being 2,000 years ago, what for? Why? The Word became flesh. God became flesh so that we can touch Him. We can see Him. We can feel Him. We can hear Him. Living in real life, human experience. And some of you here, 
You can tell me stories of how there was a pastor, there was a missionary, there was a Christian leader because he took the trouble to befriend you at a certain time, walk with you. That's why you came to faith, and that is why today you're faithfully still not just worshiping the Lord, but your heart is drawn that you want to serve God. Why? Because somebody incarnated God's heart to you. Number two, serving God's mission, it's also the expression of our experience of God's grace. When you experience God's grace, when you know that the, the hope and the life that is in Jesus, you just, kinda, you just can't keep it still. Verse 5, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. And since the day you heard it, you understood it, you experienced it, you understood the grace of God in truth. It is the natural overflow when we have tasted the grace of God and the goodness of God. One and a half months ago, I had a, a, an interesting conversation from an old friend that I haven't uh, uh, probably heard from him for probably 20, 30 years. Peter is a Penangite. And what happened was I met him when I was in Bible school and he was finishing off his last year in University of Malaya preparing to be a teacher. Now in between, I know that he was very faithfully serving uh, in church, but right now he's, a, he's retired, physically still fit, just as many of us here are. We can be very fit at the age of 60 and 70 and some of you are much better than I am. <laughs> okay. And what happened is this, he called me up uh, because I happened to uh, provide leadership for Saba and he told me about his plans. In between, he was serving as a board member. He had also finished off his bachelor's degree in theology and is planning to do one more year to finish off his master's. And he says this, his basic plan is this, my wife is going to retire and my daughter is going to be off to college. You know what he wants to do? He has gone in and out to Sabah and he says, we want to relocate to Sabah to serve the people there. And he's already set his heart that if God willing and if God opened the door, both of them, they, uh, the daughter is going to be in college, they are going to be Saba in some remote area, uh, helping to be house parents. Both of them are educationists, they love young people, and hopefully in the process, plant a church as well. Now, that's hard. Now, now uh, let's be very honest. Most people, when you're 60 years old, what do you think about? You don't have to tell me. But this guy and his wife, Peter, is thinking about, I mean, he thinks about all the other stuff, but he says, let's make it count. And they're already making plans. Now, what is this all about? What motivates? It is what motivates me, and I believe it is also what motivates many of us here. It is God's grace. Amen? It is God's grace. And don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed about it, but let it come out in the little bit of service that, that you provide not just in the church, but the cup of water that you give to the thirsty, the kind word that you will say to somebody who is serving you. The kind word and the deeds that you do to the people around you. So serving God's mission is not just making it alive, but it's really the expression of everything that God has done for us. And I want to encourage you, don't be embarrassed. 
Don't hold back. Don't be paise about it. But just do it. Number three. I also want to say that, now this sounds like an oxymoron because serving God's mission is about servanthood. Okay? But I want to emphasize this because, you know, when I was looking at the text, from verse uh, verse 7 to 8, it says, Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. The word servant there is actually from the original douloi, doulos, which actually can be translated slave, born slave. Now, when you think of slavery, now you don't think of love, but slavery, you think about intense labor, actually more than servanthood, somebody who is just there to serve. He is a faithful minister. The word minister is where you get your word deacons, diaconia. It is not just a ceremonial position, uh, but in Acts chapter 6, what do deacons do? They wipe tables. I know it says serve tables, uh, but to serve tables, you, you have to wipe the tables too. In other words, whatever needs to be done. They were there. And here is something that I think we've got to be able to catch that when you think of mission workers that come our way, it is never being about the hero. Although once in a while, uh, there's quite a bit of recognition and uh, sometimes I walk around like a hero. Uh, but bottom line, what it's really about is servanthood. You give your heart, you give your life, you give your energy. Amen? You don't just give your heart. I know some people say, I give my heart, uh, but show me your energy, show me your work. And also when you give your heart, show me your money also. (laughs) Am I correct? Because it is really all about servanthood. But one more thing is this. Serving God's mission, some people think it is, mission is something I do if I have the extra time, if I have the extra energy. But for for people that are really effective in mission or serving God, Regardless of whether you're full-time, whether you're a lay leader, I want to use this phrase, serving God's mission involves hard work. Okay? Now, this is where I want to take from Epaphras. Just as you have learned it. Now, the word learn is associated with the word discipleship, and I just kind of spotted that, nurturing disciples. Just as you have learned it, from Epaphras. And the point about Epaphras is that, number one, he is faithful. Now, what is the meaning of faithfulness? I don't want to give you a technical definition. A faithfulness is simply this. Doing the same thing again and again and again and again, no matter how boring and no matter how tedious it is. Is that faithfulness? You see, sometimes people can get very excited about mission. Why? We are going to Cambodia and never gone there. Of course, it's easy when you just do it for three days. But let's try to do it for the next three months eh? or one year. That's where it starts to get tedious. And that's where it gets to be hard work. And in chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, it explains a little bit more. Epaphras, he is one of you. He grew up in the Colossian church and 
his life story is that he served, now I don't know whether they use the word pastor, but he was serving the Colossian Christians. And then as God began to speak into his heart, it extended and he ended up serving elsewhere. And he says this, he greet you always because he is always struggling, or in NIV, wrestling in prayer. Bergusti ya, konon. Okay, that you may stand mature and fully assured. You are matured right now because somebody not just said a prayer, somebody wrestled in prayer for you. And that, Paul is saying, that's what he did. This guy was a laborer. Not only right now in Colossae, but he says in the Laodicea and also in Heropolis. Okay, he was faithful and he was doing whatever needed to be done. And by the way, uh, just a, a quick sidetrack. One of the things that we need is people that will support us in prayer. Now, I do have some prayer cards that if you want to be praying for our people, okay, you can fill it a card uh, because in some of these uh, places where our mission partners are involved, it is tough. And they go, uh, not only is this tough, they are also human beings like you and I. We, we go through all our human issues, okay? And we want to be praying uh, for them, okay? So, uh, this man, Epaphras, was simply working hard in prayer, in discipling, in doing whatever needs to be done. Amen? Uh, and on this point, I will also say this. I think part of the hard work also involves giving of your energy and giving of your finances. Okay? Now, you might ask me, Hey, what does uh, giving, have, uh, giving of money uh, have to do with hard work? Uh? Very simple. Does money drop from the sky? Every single one of us here, the salary we earn is actually from our hard work, it's from the sweat of our brow. And when we give it, we're actually giving our hard work. Okay, that's what it means. It's simply because we believe. Now, let me just right now bring us to a close uh, because, you know, one of the things that motivates me is when I see people just plunging into mission. A couple of days ago, I was uh, texting with a former member, a young lady, 20 years ago. Because when I was pastoring in Kajang, she was one of the UKM students. She did not really stand out. Very shy girl. Uh, uh, but we kept in touch after after she graduated. And then a couple of years ago, uh, now what happened was eventually she uh, became the product, de uh, product developer for a major multinational. And then a couple of years ago when I resigned from the church, uh, I was taking a step of faith, no scholarship, but studying in the, in the US for my, for my degree. Lo and behold, I don't know how she ended up, uh, contacted me and uh, banked into my account uh, 1,000 ringgit. Now, when somebody bang in 1,000 ringgit to your bank account, you remember it, okay? Uh, so, in between, we kept in touch. And then, what happened is, in, once in a while, when my trip up, suddenly, uh, I found out that right now, she's in full-time ministry. So, Lena, what are you doing? Well, she said, now she, uh, let, let, me, let me just read in the blog. Basically, all the time, she had the desire to serve God. And in her blog, she wrote this. I love serving God. I love his people. But how much can I do? 
Therefore, I have this crazy idea that at the age of 35, I want to do something. Maybe find a part-time job and uh, get a theological education and begin to serve. But to cut the long story short, uh, in her journey, first of all, she made sure that she got a blessing from her mom. Because, and by the way, mothers that give blessing to their children to do crazy things, God bless you. <laughs> okay? Today, Selena is based in a rural area in the northern part of Sabah. And what is she doing? Very different from her professional job where she was a high flyer. She's simply working as a warden in a hostel and discipling young girls in their teens. And what kind of work does she do? She cooks, she drives, she does all kinds of things. Why? Something happened. And when I've been keeping up, she's enjoying it. And also simply to encourage her, you know, over the last couple of days, uh, I kind of texted her uh, because I was just suddenly remembering. She gave me 1000 That was when she was working. I said, I texted her. I said, can you give me a bank account? Uh? I want to give you something and don't paise. <laughs> because, you know, uh, I, I know people can be very embarrassed because in the past they used to give, but now uh, they find it difficult. So, okay. But, you know, when I, hear, when I see their stories and their testimonies, it is incredibly encouraging. I want to bring this to a close right now. And very shortly, we're going to pray. But as I've shared this message with you, let me encourage you to pray over a couple of things. Number one, if you're in a situation today where you might be feeling that God is so far away, let me say this, God is not. I want you to say, Lord, thank you. You are not only moving around the world, you're here, you're real. Number two, would you pray in your heart? Because I know the very fact that you come here every Sunday. I know that deep in your heart, every one of us here have the desire to love God and honor God. But sometimes we are limited by our mind, limited by what we think we can do. But here's my advice to you. Is it possible that God can speak? And would you pray, Lord, would you speak to me? For Selena, she said she, had this, she was just harboring this crazy idea for many months. And finally, uh, through a trip to Cambodia and others, God spoke to her. And today, she's more fulfilled than ever before. Okay? And for Peter... It was a reflection for many, many years that I've got to put into place. When my kid graduates, when my kid goes to college, when I'm going to have my time, I want to be doing something. And here is where I speak to the people of Trinity Methodist Church here in Penang. Better things are yet to come. God's, God still have a plan and a purpose. And if you would open yourself, and I wouldn't know, would there also be individuals here that God is calling you into a full-time vocational ministry? Be open to it, okay? Uh, you might be saying, can I actually do it? Am I going to be effective? Am I going to make a difference? You do not know. And the thing is this, with God, all things 
with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. Amen? And it's when we surrender ourselves to God, we do not know 100 steps ahead. But if we take the one, two steps, it can lead to some very, very amazing things that God would want to do in your life. Our God, we are ordinary people, but we are ordinary people connected with the extraordinary supernatural God. Amen? Can I, can I just invite you, just, shall we just stand to our feet right now and let's just have a couple of minutes of prayer. Shall we do that? Now, I would like you to just close your eyes and very shortly, I'm going to pray. But if you would be saying in your heart, Reverend Chan, I want to open myself. I want to be appreciative of God's grace over my life. And I want to be able to contribute more. Here is where, as I pray, I want to encourage you, could you just lift your hand to God? It is simply saying, God, here I am. I open myself to you. Where you're standing, lift your, lift your hand up to God and say, Lord, here I am. Do that right now. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for lifting that hand. Father, right now, as we come in your presence, you are the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Elijah, the God of men and women of God in times past where you spoke to them and they served you, they followed you, and in spite of at times pain, they found incredible joy just simply in serving you and your mission. Father, I pray for individuals here today that as their hearts are open to you, I pray, God, for the Spirit of God to speak into them, speak into their consciousness. And even tonight when they go home, as they sleep, as they think, as they reflect, Holy Spirit, Move powerfully in them. Father, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. And thank you for your time.